Today's Happy Healthy You podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash happy healthy you. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle or MP3 player. Hi everybody, welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. Today we're talking over Skype to Melanie St. Ors. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Melanie. Uh, Melanie's a clinical herbalist. She's been working since 2012 in the, the field of herbology. Would you call it that, Melanie? Yeah, you sure can. <laughs> She's also the podcast host of the Creative Wellness Podcast, which I have to tell you, I'm I'm a new fan. Mel- oh, thank you. Your voice is so soothing. I love it. In fact, well, I shouldn't tell you this, but it's good. It's a good thing. I've listened to a couple of your podcasts already. And last night, my daughter's home. She's performing at the Kennedy Center in town. And wow. she's so she's staying with us because we're close by. And um, she and her co her her stand in uh, Desi Oakley were here last night and they wanted to get into this hot tub that we just purchased two weeks ago. Well, we put it in right below my bedroom window. So I'm going to bed. The girls are in the hot tub. My husband, bless his heart, is on the other side of me snoring. So I said, okay, I'm going to listen to Melanie's podcast. And oh. it was awesome. It c- totally blanked out all the noise. and that. And oh, that's great. No, so. I love to serenade people to sleep. I think that's, um, that's fabulous. And I love to listen to audio that way too. So that's, I'm so glad. Thank you for telling me. Yeah, but your podcast is so helpful. So thank you for what you're doing. Um, I listened to the 40, 40 day, uh, Mm -hmm. healing thing. And I, I really want to talk to you about that because I think that's something I want to institute. But back to you. So you're, (laughs) you're an herbalist and you're also a theater artist. Yes. I mean, theater was really the, the path that I walked that, brought me to kind of starting to experience the fullness of who I am and discovering, you know, how do I even use my body and what what do I care about? And it's sort of like human training, you know, theater training. Sure. And even though it's been some years, I moved from performing into directing and in my kind of early career. And it's been a few years since I've done a project but it's very much part of how I see the world and that understanding of stories and connection and being present in the body and using the voice. I use all of that every single day. Um, and I think it's really interesting because I've noticed that there are a lot of healers and alternative practitioners of different kinds, yoga teachers, herbalists, acupuncturists, who have a background in the performing arts. It's, it's really interesting. interesting. It is interesting. Well, I think for actors, it's so important to feel at home in your body. I know for yeah. me, if we don't feel comfortable there, we can't use our instrument. So, no. so and then, then there's the aspect of creativity. And what is it about creativity? I'm sure you've mined this. It's probably in one of your podcasts. But what is it about creativity and wellness that there's, there's an intersection there? And um, I'm sure you, you can speak to that. Yeah, well, I think that how I've worked it out in my head is that I really think that without a a, a driving reason that goes beyond simply kind of idolizing the perfect healthy body, you know, that we can kind of aspire to that in a in an almost idolatrous way to use a sort of Old Testament concept. But 
the real, really true wellness is something that serves your soul and your spirit and who you really are so that you can be yourself, so that you can bring forth what you want to bring forth into the world. And that may not always look like what we traditionally consider creative. You know, it might not always look like a play or an opera or singing or being a great visual artist, but absolutely there is a creative element in people, you know, writing code or designing computers and um, being a really good manager. There's an art to that. And so I think that as we heal our wounds and as we tend to our bodies and as we strengthen ourselves and restore, we free up a little bit more of that gift to give to the world. And then as we give the gift, I mean, you know, as an actor, this is really, really clear. You know, you play, you play Medea or you play Ophelia or you play, you know, some murdered person on, um, you know, law and order and you get in touch with your own demons and with dark parts of yourself. It kind of opens that wound up again. And then you return into that healing part of the cycle. So I see it as kind of a mutually reinforcing wheel that as we give more of our gift, more of our deep wounds open up and we're able to heal them. And then as we heal, we give more of our gift. Absolutely. It's so funny. Gosh, you're such a girl after my own heart. I have always felt, and I, I've just recently returned to doing a little bit of theater and um, just I've done two play readings. And I have always felt when I have been on the stage and even on camera, whatever role comes to me is the one I, the exact one I need at that mm. moment. So I've sort of surrendered and uh, you know when I did my last reading I'm like okay what are you here to teach me and then <laughs> you, you, and and I think it's really yeah. true but then there's also the aspect of the spiritual aspect of opening that channel that creative channel whatever your medium is um yes. just getting it open to hear the inspiration to to accept it and freely bring it in and then put it out into the world so yes and be in that state of flow that is um, I think that that state in and of itself is so healing for our minds and really freeing because I think a lot of times we have the sense that we've got to carry all of the weight and all of the effort on our own backs and we've got to work so hard. And so when you have the chance to get into that state of flow where something is working through you, I think there's no, there that's really a peak experience, really a healing experience too. Absolutely. And it crosses so many different, um, into so many different areas into sports and the arts and yes, um, everything. So let's talk about how you became a healer, a, um, an herbalist. You, you, I kind of feel like the wounded healers become the best healers. And it, it does seem like that, you know, we go through things in life and then that's what we are to bring forward and, um, teach or use as our healing modality. So how did yes. you come to be, to be an interested in herbs? Yeah. So, you know, and I have absolutely no claim on being the best of anything. Even the word healer is one that I feel a little uneasy with, um, because truly it's that flow. It's not, I'm not really doing the healing. It's right. the plants and it's the person and it's something greater, but the, the, the idea of the wounded healer is huge in my story. And the, the beginning of my interest in natural medicine really started when I was a little kid and super into biology 
being raised by a registered nurse who's super smart. And I was really curious about all those things. But there was also this slight rebellion kind of against my very scientific minded and traditional mother when I start would start reading these books about essential oils and, you know, massage and chakras. And, you know, it was sort of dancing on the edge of what was allowed in my Catholic upbringing, you know, Ooh. like sort of close to those yeah. like witchy things that were not allowed, sure. but, you know, and I never really thought that that would be a, a big part of my, of my work or my life's work. But then when I found myself studying theater at NYU, I got about halfway through my program and it finally hit me the, the real reality of what it was going to be to make a life in that business. And I started to think about, well, how am I going to make this work without um, you know, waiting tables the rest of my life. And so I had the idea to go to school for massage therapy. And I thought, oh, this is great. This is, I can make my own hours. I'm really interested in it. I always have been. And I'll be able to support the theater work in this different way. So that worked out and I really liked it and, you know, all of those things. But meanwhile, I was starting to get sick with ulcerative colitis, which is an autoimmune illness that causes a lot of very different symptoms depending on how severe it is. And for many years, it kind of danced on the, the fringes of not really getting that bad. And I would go to the doctor and I'd, you know, take some medicine and I'd be all right. And then finally, it was, I guess it was 2008, maybe. Um, I was working for a really prestigious physical therapy center in downtown DC, but I was an independent contractor. So I had no access to health insurance at the time. And I got the worst colitis flare of my life. Mm. And for months I started to every night around six or seven o'clock, I would start to run a fever that would get up to 104, oh 104 and a half, like mind altering kinds of fevers. Um, I could barely walk. And this was a few months after having run my first 5K ever. A few months later, I had lost so much weight. My muscles had wasted so much. I could barely walk a quarter of a mile. And I was somehow still working. I was somehow still working a couple hours a day. But I had no access to medical care. And the fact that my then partner was a medical student, the fact that my mother was a nurse, the fact that the drug that I needed was extremely cheap, really cheap, um, that wasn't really about whether or not I could afford this medicine. It was the fact that because I had the pre-existing condition, mm -hmm. I could not purchase insurance. So the story has a happy ending in that I was able to, you know, kind of find a workaround and get insurance through the state of Maryland through a special program. But having come as close as I did and really feeling abandoned by traditional medicine, I made something of a vow that I was never going to be that vulnerable again and was really aware that here, here I am, you know, an upper middle class, college educated person who knows what my diagnosis is, has medical people in my family and, you know, speaks English, is a citizen, has all of these, you know, privileges that many people don't. And I still could not break into that system. And so I had been really fascinated by herbs and herbal medicine for a long time and had kind of felt 
the limitation of what massage therapy could do because I can only keep that person on my table for so long. Right. Um, and that was really the point at which I said, I have to, I have to learn these skills. I definitely want the political change with the insurance system, but I can't count on that. And we've got to be able to bring this knowledge back to people. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I think uh, the traditional, I love what you say at your website about traditional medicine. It is great for so many things, but it has so many flaws and yeah. we're, we're working towards some solutions, but I think it's going to take, take a while. So when you got into becoming an herbalist, um, what did you learn about the possibilities for healing with mm. herbs versus traditional medicine? Well, I think that on the most basic level, the first really deep aha moment that I had was the first year that I went to California for my program for training. And while I was there, I got a really bad sinus infection mm -hmm. and I was pretty sick. And meanwhile, instead of that experience I'd had before where I was shut out and there was complete scarcity of care, when I stepped out of the retreat center, all over the ground, there was this little plant, it's a lichen actually, called usnea, that the trees had dropped during the last storm. And this usnea is just littering the ground, like I could hardly go two steps without, without it being there at my feet. And usnea happens to be a very specific um, herb for sinus infections, for infection of all kinds, but particularly upper respiratory issues. And so it was this very deep and profound experience of abundance and of really being a child of the earth. You know, I don't know how to quite explain it, but to, to see that all I had to do was know that this plant would work like this and mother earth had just, it was just there for me. It was right there. That's right cool. there. Very cool. And, and so I think that was, that's part of it. And even in, in DC in an urban environment, there are, I cannot walk three blocks without encountering at least three to five different species of medicinal herbs that grow as weeds, even in the city. So not that I would necessarily tell people to use those because right. they're probably a little dirty, but it, it really is this sense of abundance that is hard to, experience maybe any other way. So what kind of conditions uh, are herbs uh, helpful with, um, com you know, compared to, because your colitis mm -hmm. is more of an autoimmune disorder, correct? Exactly. And there's yes. so many of, of those types of things that people, you know, like lupus, um, even yes. psoriasis, eczema, all those things that, that are caused by inflammation, are herbs good for that? That kind of yes, thing, yes, absolutely. Tell me in about fact, that. Yeah, so with with chronic conditions in general, so that includes sort of all of the autoimmune illnesses, atopic conditions like the psoriasis, the eczema, um, with digestive issues. You know, a lot of people have the sort of GERD reflux. Um, really helpful with a lot of the common complaints in terms of um, gynecological issues, PMS, infertility, right. um, fibroids, endometriosis. Menopause. Um, menopause, yes. Um, why do we smile about menopause? I don't know. I can't say it without smiling. I don't know why. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's good. It makes me um, happy. <laughs> ah. 
So I think, I mean, really there, it's, it's faster to say what herbs are not so effective for. Okay. Okay. Um, they're That's not going to save, they're not likely to save the day when you get hit by a bus or hit by a car or need major surgery. There are certain kinds of cancers, and I'm not a cancer specialist, so I don't know all the ins and outs, but certain kinds of cancers that they're helpful for and certain that they're not. But the, the most important thing to know about herbs is they kind of live on a spectrum somewhere between food and drugs or medicine. So there are herbs that are really nutritious, like they're a lot more like food, and they help to support healing or bring about balance by giving us lots of minerals, lots of phytonutrients, which we have to get from plants, um, vitamins, all of these things easy in an easy to assimilate way. And then on the other end of the spectrum are the herbs that have the really strong chemical constituents like the alkaloids and the, 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 the things that are more like a drug and including herbs that can be poisonous. And those can have effects that are as dramatic as, as prescription medication. But because the compound is not isolated, you know, in regular medicine, people, we love the idea like, oh, there's only one thing in that pill. That one thing is what you're going to take. It's exactly this amount. But it's kind of like a monologue. It's kind of like a drug is sort of like somebody giving a Shakespearean soliloquy alone on the stage and speaking their point of view alone to your body. Whereas with an herb, even those more strong acting ones, it's a lot more like a dialogue because your body digests the herb in a way that's more similar to food. Mm. And those different compounds, you know, the, the buffering compounds, the fiber, the nutritious parts, mean that your body will interact with that herb in a way that's slightly different maybe than someone else's body. And it, it depends on the plant. There are some that are harmful and that can poison you for sure. But all of this means that herbs are a lot gentler and a lot more flexible in how they work with any given person than, than drugs are. Interesting. So when you're making the decision, you're making your diagnosis of, of the, that person's condition and you're trying to match up the particular uh, herb that would help them. Do you use some of that intuition that we talked about? Some of the, in addition to your your knowledge? Yeah, for sure. And just because I have to be a little bit, a slight bit legally paranoid, sure, sure, I, I don't yeah. diagnose at all. We use the word assessment sorry. because diagnosis is limited to medical doctors, but it's okay. It's okay for you to say it. It's just not okay for me to say yeah. it. Um, so, but yeah, intuition for me plays a big part in the way that I work. And stories play a really big part in the way that I work. So I think that really, um, you know, you can, you could sit down with a bunch of reference books and list out all of the person's complaints and look at it from a, I use a lot of traditional Chinese medicine. So kind of look and see, all right, what is their constitution like? Are they hot natured or cold natured? Mm -hmm. And you could come to a really cerebral plan that might work really well. But sometimes it's more like I'm sitting there and I'm listening to somebody and I just feel, you know, like a little, uh, like one of the herbs is kind of going like, hey, like me, like pick me. I want to hang out with this person, you know, or I feel an intuitive sense of like, oh, I don't know why I'm thinking 
I don't know why I'm thinking of chamomile for this person, but um, but I'm going to write that down and then kind of look into it. So intuition definitely plays. Well, definitely that, the reason I ask that is because that's the kind of practitioner that I want. I want, even when I go to a traditional medical doctor, I want you to listen to me. I want you to hear what I'm not saying because, you know, I don't know all that. We depend on our doctors to have that vast amount of knowledge, but also to somewhat tune into us. And I think in the current system, doctors are not, by no fault of their own mostly, um, they're not allowed the amount of time that they need to sit with yeah. the patient and really tune into them and, and really get a sense for their lifestyle and their, I mean, their, their, them as a, us, I should say us, as whole people. As, yeah. as more than just this body, we are body, mind, and spirit. And I, I know you're on the same page as me with that. Yes. So, and so. it's so painful, too, because the doctors really, not all of them, but a lot of them really want that. They really sure. miss out on that part of the, of the doctor-patient relationship. And so it's really cool that some of these things are changing. There's a lot of interest now on something called narrative medicine and lots of doctors getting really interested in how stories um, play a part of the healing process. So I'm hopeful about it, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, it's so important because sometimes the facts just don't add up right. and that's where someone's experience really can make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any stories without naming names of clients? Uh, do any stories where herbs and maybe you can talk about the herbs, like the magic yeah. that happens when you when you match that right herb and it just changes somebody's life. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have I have a lot, but I want to try to uh, think of one that'll be interesting for people. I think the the most the most common sort of oh my gosh, I'm amazed by this story that I have. It's happened with a lot of my clients. I do a lot of work with mental health, so I see a lot of anxiety and a lot of mm -hmm. depression. Well, it's, it's out there. It's everywhere. You know, oh, that's what I'm it's, finding. It, in we my... have an absolute academic, epidemic of yeah. um, anxiety, depression, and mental health issues. Um, so I see a lot of that. And one of the first things that I offer to clients who are working with any kind of anxiety is a rescue herb of some kind. So this is an herb, and there are many. Um, and people can look into these. All the ones I'm naming are safe. But if you're taking any drugs, if you know, it's better to consult with someone. So passion flower is one, skull cap is one, lobelia is my favorite, though that one you have to be a little more careful with the dosage. But sometimes it'll be a single herb, sometimes it'll be a blend custom made for that person. And I'll say, okay, whenever you're feeling anxious or if you're getting the urge to engage in that compulsive behavior or you're really starting to feel wigged out, you're going to put 10 drops or 20 drops or however much of a dose in some water and drink it. Wait about five to 10 minutes. If you don't feel better, take another dose. And they always are kind of like scratch their heads and they're like, wait a second, you mean it's going to work in like five to 10 minutes? And I'll be like, yeah, it should, it should work within five minutes for sure. But we wait 10 minutes just to be, to be certain. And people are amazed that they can feel a significant change in their heart rate, in their anxiety level, in their tension with, with an herb. And the anti-anxiety herbs in particular are some of my favorites because 
they don't carry the risk of dependence and mm. addiction that a lot of the the psychiatric drugs carry. Right. And I think it's so important to treat things like pain and anxiety and, you know, not to just say, oh, you have to, to tough it out. But people are wary about some of those drugs because there is a real, there is a real risk of dependence. Yeah. So it's, it's really great to have those herbs and for people to be, to be able to notice a difference so quickly and, and so profoundly. Can you recall a specific incidence with a client where it, it happened like that and they were surprised or... I mean, really, you know, there isn't one, uh, those stories all kind of go very similarly, but I can tell you a story of a client that I worked with where I was surprised that, that the treatment worked so well or that the herbs worked so well. Um, I was working with, I was working with a woman who had, she was, she was pretty severely obese. She had a, a lot of trauma history in her life mm -hmm. and she's working through a lot of you know, emotional and spiritual stuff. And meanwhile, she was having pain in her liver, like right in the area of her liver. And her liver was, it, you know, it was kind of, I could feel the edges of it under her ribs, which you're not supposed to be able to. So it was a little bit enlarged and she was self-employed, you know, so this story really resonated with me. She was self-employed and didn't carry health insurance at the time. And she said, you know, I am, I'm willing to go to my doctor and get tested and get screened, but I really want to try as much as I can to work with natural things and, you know, to, to, to do it this way. And I said, all right, well, here's a Chinese medicine formula that I custom made for her. And I kind of thought like, I don't know, maybe this will help her with her stress, but I wasn't optimistic that anything was going to happen with the actual liver pain or hardness. And she also had a lot of menstrual complaints. Um, I think she had fibroids as well. And so I thought maybe we'll help with the heavy bleeding. Maybe we'll help with her vitality, but she's going to really need to go and get, you know, get some kind of medical treatment for this liver issue. And I was really concerned about it. And I saw her four weeks later and she was pain-free and oh. upon palpation, she, the amount of change was unbelievable. And I still sent her to go and, you know, get some diagnostics because of course I didn't want to just have the herbs suppress the symptom and then we don't find out what's really wrong. But that was really one of the first times it was fairly early in, in my, in my solo practice it was one of the first times that I thought, wow, gosh, like even I underestimate the herbs because I've been so trained to think of them as, oh, maybe they don't really work, right. you know? Wow, that's amazing. When I listened to one of your podcasts, I really was so impressed with your vast amount of knowledge. I was listening to the one where you talked about trauma, and I didn't realize this, but you talked about how uh, trauma, the research that's been done on trauma, the default is for men, and and men experience trauma and their symptoms are different from women's. And you really explain that in such a clear way. And I think so many people don't realize that. I, I, I really think everybody should listen to that podcast because, you know, you talked about PTSD in men and fight or flight. Well, in women, there's a whole different response. And I think you talk about the, um, what do you call it? It's like the shock or it's sort of like. Yeah, a, freeze. Freeze. The mm -hmm. freeze. 
That was yes. so interesting. And you just yes. have such a vast amount of knowledge. Um, so I really recommend the Creative Wellness Podcast, even though I am a podcast host <laughs> as well. So, you know, after you listen to Happy Healthy You, go to the Creative Wellness Podcast. Melanie, I, I want to have you back and we can talk about more specific subjects. But thank you so much for coming on and introducing yourself and, and talking a little bit about herbal medicine because it's another one of those modalities that I think don't, it's not out there enough. And we really need to promote these kind of natural, um, as, as, as an addition to, um, our complete medical program. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. It all it all can work together and hold hands and collaborate and co-create. And that is the best case scenario for providers, for patients, for the burdened healthcare system. It's the best case scenario. And I, I think we're working toward it. And yes. I'm yes. excited to continue the conversation here with you and also to just, you know, encourage people maybe, you know, this week, if you're thinking about it, just, you know, pick up some peppermint tea, pick up some t chamomile tea, something gentle and that you can feel confident about. But just starting to bring the plants into your life really, really can make a big difference. So I hope people will give that a try. Yeah. And for more information about you working with you, because you can work with people all over the country, how would they find you? So you can find me at psycheandsoma.com. And it's a little bit of a trick to spell. So if it's easier, you can just search for my name on Google, Melanie St. Ors, which is S-T dot O-U-R-S. And you'll find my website and um, you won't have to worry about spelling it if that's a little tricky. Awesome. Thank you so much, Melanie. And maybe we can work together in the theater at some point. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> After I get a couple more readings under my belt. I, I felt like that was like the best way to ease myself back in without, For sure. without having to take any rescue remedy. <laughs> so far, it's working well. So. For sure. Well, thank you so much, Connie. Thank you. Have a happy, healthy day. <laughs>